Y'all ready for some Cal tipping? Yeah! We're going to have such a spanking fine time in this series. I just, I, I'm still amazed at why they even pay me. I got to be honest with you. Um, we're going to have so much fun here. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. You know, we talked about, you know, there's, there's just church. They have a lot of sacred cows. A lot of stuff that they do and churches do because of tradition and not because the Bible, Bible tells them to do it. And I, I'm hoping that we're going to get into some tipping stance and be able to tip over some stuff that kind of all of us may even grew up with. And it's my prayer for us in this series that we would be able to have a realistic view of how the church is doing in America. And also that you would be able to realize why we do some of the different things that we do here at one church, because we do things a wee bit different. And for us to be able to take a fresh look at the Bible and say, and think this, that much of what we do in church has more to do with our traditions and this phrase, well, we've always done it that way before. And has very little to do with this is what God tells us to do with the church. So we're going to have a great time tipping some sacred cows. It's going to be the freaky bomb. It's going to be awesome. All right. So I hope you guys have a, that's a cow. All right, cool. All right, good times. All right. So I need to give you a confession and then I'm going to give you a warning just as we kind of kind of go out there. My confession first. My confession is I love the church. Not just one church. I am a big fan of one church, but I love all churches because I believe Jesus started all churches, that Jesus loves the church. He died for the church. I love churches. And if I, to be honest with you, if I didn't love churches, I wouldn't be where I was at today. I believe God has called the church to be the catalyst of influence and change in our entire society. That's my confession. I love the church. Now, here's a warning I'm just going to throw out there as well. We're going to paint a realistic view of how the average mainstream church is doing in America. And I'm going to throw out a lot of statistics. We're going to be talking about a lot of programs that maybe all of us grew up with. And as we talk about that, I think there's a fine line between drawing a realistic view of how the church is doing and bashing the church. Because, see, the Bible says that the church is the bride of Jesus, That the church is literally the wife of Jesus. And it's like this. You can talk bad about me all you want to. You can say, you know what? You don't have no style. You're ugly. You're fat. Your mama dresses you funny. You can do all of that. You start talking about my wife. I'm going to punch you in the jugular. Right? And I wonder if Jesus kind of feels that way a lot of times when we start bashing the church. So that's a warning. All right? We're going to talk about some realistic views of the church. But I love the church. And because I love the church, we got to talk about how we're doing. Not just one church, but how literally the average church is doing in America. Because God has called the church to bring change. That's what God has called the church to. And I think we are doing a very poor job. The church is in trouble. Give you some statistics. This is in America. 70% 70 of Americans don't go to church anywhere. 
Now, if you take that 70% and you did the math, that's 210 million people in America who don't go to church. Put it in this perspective. If you take, the, if you take that 210 mil, 210 million, and you made them a country, they would be the, the 11th largest country in the world. Those are the people that, that don't attend church. 70% of people don't attend church. 210 million. Okay, so look, look, the church. We've got so many churches out there. How are the church engaging these 210 million? Well, not very well, I should say, because 80 to 85% of all churches are declining. Did you hear that? 85% of all churches have either plateaued or they're taking a nosedive. And of those 15% that are growing... 14% of them are growing because of something called transfer growth. And what that is is simply they, they're taking people who go to another church and bring them into their church. In fact, when we started one church two and a half years ago, it was for the, that, that 210 million, the people who don't go to church. In fact, we had people come to our church who came from previous churches, and I sat down with them and I said, you need to go back because that's not who we're reaching. We want to reach people who have never been to church before or who have been to church and say, you know what, I'm done with that. That's just a little strange, a little weird. I got hurt, I got burned, all of that stuff. So, and get this, 90% of all teenagers who grow up in church, listen to this one, 90% of all teenagers who grow up in church, once they graduate from high school, you know where they do? See you, church. See you, God. I'm gone. That breaks my heart. I've got to be honest with you. I was up Friday at 2 o'clock in the morning hanging out with two of my really good friends. And, we're ta- and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about how come high schoolers, once they graduate, they leave the church and they leave God. Because that breaks my heart. I believe it breaks Jesus' heart. That's where the church is at. 85%, three-fourths of them are dead. Now, Put that in perspective. The churches are in decline. What's happening to the population of our nation, especially the population here in Clarksville? Let me tell you, this is really, again, a lot of statistics. Clarksville was named the 17th fastest growing city in the United States. 17th. Now, think about this. You put Las Vegas, L.A., um, you put... uh, Portland, you put Seattle, you put New York City, you put Phoenix, you put all of those. I mean, we can all think of 10 really large, really large cities that are growing, right? And Clarksville 17th. That's amazing. That's amazing. In fact, this is something that's really kind of cool that Clarksville's population is supposed to double by the year 2025. And that's a conservative estimation. It's supposed to grow to about 227,000 by the year 2025. In fact, in the past 10 years, Clarksville has experienced a 170% increase. That's amazing. 5,000 families every year move to Clarksville. 5,000. That's not people. That's fams. Families. Now, let's, that's, that's world. Here's Clarksville. Let's go to exit one where we're at. Exit one has experienced a 137% housing increase. That is amazing. There are 4,395 approved residential lots that either have houses on them or will have houses on them in the next year. In fact, my good friend, uh, he uh, owns a realty title business. 
He says, and I didn't even know about this. He says, there is uh, out on Tiny Town Road, right past Plantation Estates, one of the fastest growing communities here in the state. And I, I didn't even know it was there. I kind of regularly go out and kind of prayer walk and go to some of these and just kind of just, I want God to capture my heart for what captures his. And that's people who are apart from God. And know this, 86% of people here in Clarksville don't attend church anywhere. Y'all probably heard that statistic because I say it all the time. And you know what? I'm going to continue saying it because that's my heart. And even more importantly, that's Jesus's heart. His heart is for the lost, for those who have a busted up relationship with him. That's 115,663 people. And when we started one church two and a half years ago, we, we didn't want to just be another church that nobody attended. We didn't want to be another church that 86% of people here in this community go, I ain't going to that one. No, sir. No, when we started a church two and a half years ago, we wanted to create an environment where people who didn't normally connect with God through the local church would be able to go, yes, finally. I don't understand it all. I don't maybe even agree with it all. But you know what? These are my people. These are my people because they're all messed up. And all of us are messed up. Some of us are just better covering up a little bit. You know what I mean? All right, moving on. So 86% of people, I believe Jesus' mission in Luke 19.10 when he says that he came to seek and to save that which was what? Lost. You know who he came for? Who did he came for? How many of y'all have ever spiritually been lost? Let me see your hands. They'll get that. That's everybody. You know, that's kind of amazing. That his mission, his purpose was for people who have a busted up relationship with, with him. In fact, he, he, he tells a parable, he tells a story back in Luke 15 verse 4. And it says this, that there was 99 sheep who were found and one sheep that got lost. And what did the shepherd do? Look at this. It says, the shepherd leaves the 99 others in the wilderness and goes to search for the one that is, what is that word? Lost until he finds it. You know what God's focus is? The lost. Come on, this is an all skate. All right, this is, guy. Right, help me here. It's the lost. It is the lost. Because all of us have been lost. So that's what we did two and a half years ago. Myself and 35 people said, you know what, we're going to start a different type of church. And you know what? We didn't leave the 99 to go after the one. Let me tell you what we did. We left the 14 to go after the 86 because that's the stats. 14% of people go to church and 86% don't. So let's don't focus on a church reaching the 14%. Let's focus on what God is focused on, leaving the found to seek and save that which was lost. Amazing. So that is our mission. I believe that the church is the connection point between God and people. That the church should be the equation of people connecting with God, not giving up on God. I believe, and it frustrates me so much that sometimes people have had such a bad experience at church that they long to want to get to know God, but they don't come to church to do it. Because if you, it, the, the, I think the most recent poll is 95, 96% of Americans say they believe in a God but they just don't go to church to try to connect with that God. 
that bothers me. And at one church, when we started this, we wanted, it was our mission to change the reputation of the local church. Because I believe Jesus was irresistible. And I believe the church, which is Jesus' body here and now, should be irresistible. And when it's not irresistible, it's not their fault. It's our fault. It's our fault. Because we've got so many people who want to connect with God and they come to church and they go, and that's what the unchurched and the dechurched, I kind of throw this out. And by the way, see that, te- we'll go back if you would. The text, as I'm preaching, if you've got some questions, text me. And if we've got time at the end, we're going to be able to answer those. We're going to do this all through this series, okay? So, unchurched. Well, what is unchurched? Unchurched is people who've never been to church before. Never been to church before. Now, there are some of those here in Clarksville but the majority of the people in the South are that last one, de-churched. Everybody said the word de-churched. De-churched is this, people who've been to church and they go, I ain't going back there. I'm not going back there. I had a bad experience. You don't seem to understand. Uh, you know, I ended up going to this church and, you know, and I tr- I've done church before and I've tried church. I've tried the whole religion thing. You talk to most people, that's what they're going to say. They're de-churched. They've been hurt by the church or they just got baggage and they never, ever think that the church would accept them. They, they won't accept me because of the way I look and, hey, you know, I have tattoos and, I, you know, I don't talk the way you talk and all this stuff. And I believe God loves everybody for God so loved the. That's just crazy. For God so loved the world. That's you and me and the people who aren't yet here yet. And I believe that the, that the church should be the searchlight and not the security light. I believe that the church shouldn't, shouldn't be building walls trying to keep people out, but should be building bridges, inviting people in. And when that's not happening, the fault rests with us because we're the church. And Jesus loves the church. All right, so let's get in here. We're going we're gonna to be landing in Acts chapter 15, verse 1. So if you have the One Church Bible, that's page 843. And go ahead and start turning that. I love the book of Acts. I probably read this more than any other book because it just it's, it's, it rocks. It's just awesome. Um, <clears throat> so as we go through this, we're going to land in Acts 15, 1. But kind of let me bring you up to speed what's happening. Jesus was Jewish. Jesus' disciples were Jewish. Um, Jesus came and he starts talking to all of these people and they start following him and all the people he's talking to are Jewish. All right. And then, so there was this mindset, well, that Jesus, you know, and Jesus is Jewish. The disciples are Jewish. The people he's talking to are Jewish. So the mindset started coming. Well, if you want to follow Jesus, then you must become Jewish. And then in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit comes down. And, and 3,000 people come to know Jesus in one day. And there's this big, huge church in the center, in the capital of Christianity in Jerusalem. 3, 000, and all of the people were converts. They were Jewish converts. So the mindset was this. is if They started making the assumption that you have to become Jewish before you can become a Christian. That was their mindset, that you have to become Jewish, you have to follow our customs, our rituals, our traditions, and before you can become to know Jesus. 
Now, meanwhile, there's this dude by the name of Paul who used to be a Pharisee. We're going to talk about who, what those people are in a little bit. Um, but there was Paul who's out telling everybody, non-Jewish people. By the way, the Bible calls them Gentiles. Non-Jewish people, that probably most of us. He starts telling all of these Gentiles, hey, Jesus came. He's God. Uh, they, uh, people killed him. Uh, he was buried and he rose again. And if you want a relationship with Jesus, the only thing you have to do is believe. You have to have faith, right? So he's telling all of these Gentiles, non-Jewish people, who know nothing about Jewish customs, know nothing about Jewish traditions, the only thing you have to do is simply believe. Everybody say simply believe. Simply believe. That's the only thing you have to do. Now, back in Jerusalem, the capital of Christianity, people start hearing that all of these non-Jewish people are coming to have a relationship with Jesus without following all of their customs and traditions and rituals, and they start getting angry. And they start sending people out and go, whoa, 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 stop it. Okay, yeah, you believe in the Jesus thing and you believe that he was resurrected, that's great, but it's not that simple. You got to do something. And they started adding to, they started making the simple complicated. And they started adding to all of this stuff. You got to follow our rituals, our traditions, our customs. You got to look, you got to change before you come to know Jesus. So here you have the capital of Christianity, the church, who is putting these obstacles for people who are wanting to connect with Jesus because it can't be that simple and it can't be that complicated, right? Just, it can't be that simple. And they start complicating it. All right, Acts 15.1. This is where we land. Acts 15.1 says this. <clears throat> Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Dear Jesus, that, that's a kind of a high price for salvation, don't you think? Circumcised? Really? All right. I'll have to pray about that one. I mean, all the people who, who are joining the church were women. Uh, the entire new members class were like, hey, honey, you want to join the church? No, I'm, I'm not going to do that. It's a little too painful, right? I mean, it's amazing. And, 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 I mean, their mindset was you had to have surgery before you became a Christian. Now, we laugh about that. We chuckle about it in our Western mindset, but they were just as serious as they could be. Because, you know what, God told Abraham, who told Moses and all this stuff, and the circumcision, you got to be circumcised. You got to change. You have to have an operation before you can become a Christian. Wow, that is something. Verse 2, this brought Paul and Barnabas into a sharp dispute and a debate with them. They go, time out. We've been out with all these non-Jewish people and we've seen God save them. Time out. You're, make, you're making it complicated. God said very simply, believe. And you're making it complicated. Look what it says. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some of the other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders to whom they reported everything God had done to them. This is the first church business meeting. How many of y'all enjoy business meetings? Yeah, that's what I thought. 
All right, that's no one. All right, so anyway, so Paul and Barnabas been out in Gentile area. All these people, non-Jewish people who are coming to Christ without surgery. That's amazing. And they start telling these stories. Hey, we end up going to Billy over there. And Billy, God saved him without a scalpel. It's amazing, right? <laughs> oh, my. All right, look at verse 5. Then some of the believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees. Now, you may not have been to church before. Let me unpack this a little bit. The Pharisees were people who believed the Bible, believed the Old Testament, very religious, and they were always button heads with Jesus. In fact, it was this group of people who had Jesus killed because Jesus didn't follow their traditions. Jesus didn't follow their customs. Because Jesus was more focused on reaching lost people than keeping them happy. Y'all remember that now. Because we're going to come back to that one. Jesus was more focused on reaching people nobody else is reaching. And he didn't care if they got angry or not. So, but the Pharisees, they put Jesus to death. Now, as we see here, some of these Pharisees, they now have a relationship with Jesus. You know how that happened? It's because they put him to death. He was buried. Three days later, he, was, he rose again. And all of these, you know, uh, you know all these people, these Pharisees are going, wow, uh, we put you to death and you're back. It's like Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'll be back, right? Jesus said, I'll be back. And he came back, right? Jesus came back and they're starting to scratch their heads going, I think we've made a mistake. We put him to death. He's now walking. I think I'm going to believe in him. Ding, 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 right? So the very enemies of Jesus who put him to death now love Jesus. That's kind of cool. And, it, and maybe if you've never been to church before and you're like, can, can I believe it? Can, that's that right there. That's some good stuff. All right. So some of the Pharisees stood up and said this, the Gentiles, that's most of us, right? That's most of us. The Gentiles must be circumcised, and then, then they added something else, and required to obey the law of Moses. <laughs> this is what they're saying. It's great that they believe in Jesus. It's great that they believe that he was resurrected. You know, it's great that they want to join our club, but not so quick. You have to change before you can come to be a part of us. They started, you have to become Jewish before you can become a Christian. In other words, it's not that simple. And it's not that accessible. It's complicated. You got to be willing to pay the price. Nurse, grab the scalpel. Right? That's what the Pharisees are doing. You have to be circumcised. And you have to obey the entire law of Moses. So here you have this massive church in Jerusalem and in Antioch. And what they're doing is they are making obstacles to coming to know Jesus... And it's obstacles that were created by the church. It's kind of like this ladder. <clears throat> a lot of churches are like this ladder. People come to our church and they go, wow, you're really spiritual. And you know a lot. You know a lot of the Bible. And I just, something's missing though. I, I, I can't get to where you're at. You know, I wish I had that much faith. I wish I had your faith. I wish I could pray the way you prayed. I wish I had that relationship with Jesus like evidently you do. And you're so spiritual. And I want to get up there, but 
There's something missing. I can't. You've taken on all the bottom rungs of the ladder. Is there any other baby steps? Because I, I want to connect with God. But I can't, I can't do it. Okay, I guess the church isn't for me then. I guess I'm going to have to figure out how to connect with God some other way because it's just too hard. I, I, I don't have that much faith. I'm not that smart. I, I can't find the book of Ephesians. Help me. And the Pharisee's going, tough, sorry. You have to be circumcised, have surgery. You got to obey the entire law of Moses. You have to memorize the first five books of the Bible, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Don't ask me to spell Leviticus. And then after you do that, then we might bring you up to our level. But until that time, tough, sorry. Eh, sucks to be you, huh? That is the picture of the church 2,000 years ago and the picture of the church today, because so many people, everybody knows how to sit and where to sit and how to sing and when to stand and when not to stand, how to sing the songs and all this stuff. And we know all of our customs and traditions and all of this stuff and the good stuff and nothing wrong with the traditions, nothing wrong with the customs. But when people start coming in, they can't connect because we love our customs and traditions more than reaching people who are lost, then something is messed up. And Jesus, I think, gets really frustrated with this. Because he didn't come just for us, people. He came for everybody. Everybody. And none of us was born a Christian. None of us was born in church. All of us were born with mess. The Bible calls it sin. And I am so glad that people didn't make it difficult for me to come to know him. Because if they did, I wouldn't be here today. I'm going to keep on reading because I'm, I'm moved from teaching to preaching. <laughs> Verse 7. After much discussion, <laughs> in other words, there was a lot of words. After much discussion at this business meeting, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did us. Now look at this next part. He made no distinction between us and them. Translated, God didn't see us as Jew and Gentile. God, didn't, God doesn't see us as churched and unchurched. God doesn't see us as pure and impure. I'm going to keep on reading. For he purified their hearts by faith. Everybody say the word faith. Now, he didn't purify their hearts because of what they did. Because of changing, following customs, traditions, regulations, law. He changed their hearts by what? That's kind of simple. Kind of accessible. Keep on reading. Now then, why do you try to test God? Oh my. Now why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? Translated is this. If you put obstacles for people who want to have a relationship with Jesus, 
And you make it difficult for people, the outsiders, to come in inside and try to come to have that relationship with Jesus Christ. If you complicate it, you are testing God. You are working against God. And you know who's going to win? God. You're right. Because we, we have a tendency, it just can't be that simple, and it can't be that accessible. We have to complicate it. That's what he's saying. So, you are testing God. Translation, you're working against God. What is God doing? Jesus, what is God doing? Jesus is saying, I came and seek and save that which was lost. The Pharisees in the church say, well, huh, I came to protect what was found. And you got to jump so high, you got to do these 25 things, and you got to follow this regulation, you got to have circumcision, you got to have surgery, you got to change the way you talk, act, look, all of this stuff. You got to dress up, you got to read the Hebrew scriptures, you got to all that, and then we might let you in to our little club. Hmm. So, all of that. Peter says, We have not been able to obey the law. That's what he's saying here. We've not been able to obey the law. And then he said, Jimmy, me, Jimmy. Yeah, you, Jimmy. Have you been able to obey the law all of your life? You're a Jew, right? Yeah, I'm a Jew. Have you been able to obey the law? I obey seven out of the 10. Really? Have you obeyed all of them? Oh, it's kind of difficult. Yeah. Hey, Sam, Sam, have you obeyed the entire law? Have you been perfect in your law keeping? Well, no, I haven't. I mean, you have to be a professional law keeper. You know, Moses gave us the 10 and then we added 600 more to them. That's 610 stuff I got. I can't do it. I got to do. So are you perfect at it, Sam? Oh, you perfect. All right. Jimmy Bob, because there was rednecks in Jesus's day too. Hey, Jim Bob, you remember that time when you had your son, you know, and, you know, we should have stoned him, the law said, you remember that time where there was that accident, he was driving the chariot and there was that intersection and, you know, he hurt that woman and the law said we were supposed to stone him. Remember that, Jim Bob? Yeah, I remember it. And yeah, remember when we talked to him, he had such a bad attitude. Oh yeah, I'm still living with it. You remember the law said we were to stone him and kill him. Yeah. Did we do that? No. You see, Peter's saying we can't keep the law, and we're Jews. So why are we going to ask non-Jewish people to keep the law? Because that wasn't the purpose of the law. The law was given, this is, I'm, this is not my notes, but this is Romans 6, 1, baby. The law was given in 521 so that we will know exactly how messed up we are and that all of us need a Savior, even Jews, even non-Jews. All of us are lost. Now, he finishes a speech and then James gets up and he says something. Now, James, this is the half-brother of Jesus, James. This is the James who wrote the book of James that we just got finished digging into. You know what I'm talking about? All right, so James gets up. And when I heard this, uh, I heard Andy Stanley give this sermon 2006. It literally changed my life. And, I, and as I'm hearing this and I read that verse, I printed it off. I ended up printing it off on a, like an eight and a half by 11. And then I bought like a massive map of Clarksville. And I just pasted this right smack dab in the middle of it. Because this verse gets me excited. This verse is my heart. This verse is the heart of one church. And even more importantly, this verse is the heart of God. Look at it. Acts chapter 15, verse 19. James says this, 
It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. That's an observation. We shouldn't make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. We should not make it difficult for the people who are on the outside wanting to get in. I don't know. Let's just get crazy. We should not make it difficult and we should start adding some rungs to the ladder so that everybody is included. So that we can put it so low that somebody like Zacchaeus, number one, because he's short, but number two, because he's so messed up that even Zacchaeus could get on board with what Jesus is talking about. That we can make it so simple that a woman who just didn't have a reputation, but who was caught in the very act of adultery. She was having sex with somebody else's husband. That a person like that could get on board with the local church. That children could get on board with the local church. That somebody as messed up as Matthew who was a tax collector and a, and a traitor to his own people, could get on board with the local church and not only get on board with the local church, but God allowed him to write a book in the Bible. And God called it Matthew. That God put the rungs in it so low so that everybody, for God so loved the... Everybody could get up and get involved and get on board with what God was doing. That's God's heart to seek and to save that which was lost. Verse 30. The men were sent off and went down to Antioch where they gathered the church together and delivered this letter. Hey, by the way, you don't have to follow the law. You don't have to have circumcision. You don't have to have surgery. I'm going to keep on reading. The people read it and they were glad for its encouraging message, especially the men. James says, okay, guys, we got to keep this easy and accessible. It's not about keeping the law. We got to keep it easy and accessible. It's not about offering sacrifices. We got to keep it easy and accessible. It's not about them having surgery, them following our customs, our traditions, them becoming like us. We've got to keep it easy and accessible, easy and accessible, easy and accessible. That's what we have to do. And when we don't keep it easy and accessible, when we complicate it, we are working against God. That's what James is saying. And you know what happened? Amazingly enough, 100 years later, it got complicated again. 100 years later, they complicated the whole thing. They started, they're taking out wrongs again. 300 years later in church history, you couldn't get on board with the local church if you tried. In 1095 AD, the Pope issues an edict. Hey, let's, let's don't reach people anymore. Let's kill them. It's called the Crusades. And let's go back into Jerusalem, into Palestine, and let's take back Jerusalem to the glory of God. And as we go, let's kill tons of people, thousands of people all along the way, especially the Jews. And hundreds of thousands of people were slaughtered by the church. What was that about? And then in 1490, the Spanish Inquisition happened where they, the, it's, in Spain, they threw all of the Jews out of Spain. 
And they tortured people because if you didn't cook your food right or if you didn't show up to church on this certain holiday, oh, we're going to torture you and say you're, you know, you're following some demon cult thing and then you're going to die. And they all did this in the name of Jesus. What was that about, right? Complicated. And then, <laughs> it's amazing, because then uh, all the Bibles at that time were written in Latin, and nobody spoke Latin. How many of you can read Latin today? Not too many of you. And for those who can, mm. all right. So they decide, you know what, we can't translate the Bible from Latin into a regular language because it wouldn't be that easy. And, it, and the Bible would just be too accessible. But, but people started translating the Bible from Latin into just languages everybody spoke, German, French, English. In fact, Tyndale, he translated the Bible from Latin into English. And you know what the Catholic Church did? They strangled him and killed him for it and burned him at the stake. And a hundred years later, you know what they did? They, they dug up his bones and they burned him again. That's just bitter, people. That's anger issues. So what happens in the 1500s, Martin Luther comes along and he protests the Catholic Church because at this point, there's only one church. It's the Catholic Church. So Martin Luther comes by and he says, you know what? It's by faith alone that we are saved. He makes it really simple. He makes it really accessible. And a war almost breaks out because of this by faith alone. Let's make it really easy. Let's make it really accessible. And let's take the Bible out of Latin and let everybody read it. Let's don't depend upon a priest or a preacher. Let everybody read it. And gazillions of people flocked to that message because everybody was on the outside because they didn't read Latin. Hey, I don't know how to sing Gregorian chant. All of this stuff, right? I don't have the clothes to be able to come to the high tradition. And it's amazing. And then all of these denominations, Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, Episcopalian, Lutheran, all come out of this Protestant movement. But this one movement fractions into 300 different denominations. What's that all about, right? I mean, the average person, if they came into our church, they'd say, well... I don't understand. Why is there so many different of these denominations? Well, that's because some people like baptizing this way, and some people, we argue about baptizing this way, and some people like baptizing this way, and And then we argue over how do we really understand the book of Revelation and really important stuff like that. And people, without none of us really intentionally do this, but we start making it difficult. It can't be that easy, and it can't be that accessible because you have to change. It's amazing because in most churches today, they can't understand the Bible that the preachers read from them because I don't know about you, but I don't do King James, okay? And some of you, well, you grew up on King James. I got to be honest with you, I did too. I don't understand it. I, I don't speak in these and thous. Right? But our mindset, well, if it's good enough for Paul, the King James Bible should be good enough for you. Right? Paul didn't read the King James. My point is we, as the church, have a tendency to complicate it. Let's get God's word in people's hands that they can understand. 
And it doesn't matter if it's NIV, NLT, CEV, TEV, message. Some of you are going, Did you, what, what, what are you talking about? Okay, all of those are different translations. Just read the Bible. Ding, ding, read the Bible. That's what it's saying. So how do we apply this message? I got a text from the first service saying, okay, you talked about 40 minutes, easy and accessible. What are we supposed to do? That's a great question. You know what I'm asking you to do here at One Church? I'm asking you to continue what you're doing at One Church. I'm asking you, if you're serving in children's ministry, you continue to serve in children's ministry. Because we're committed at One Church. What we're committed to doing at One Church is to keep all of the rungs in here. To make it so easy and so accessible that anybody can get on board. Anybody. And that's what we're committed. That a child can be able to come and know nothing about the Bible. And their parents know nothing about the Bible, but they come and they come to One Way Street. And next Sunday, it's them who are waking up their parents. Let's go back to that weird church. That was fun. So if you're serving, you keep on serving. And if you're, if you're in a community group, you keep on being in a community. If you give to one church, you keep on giving. Because i got to be honest with you. While we do what we do is so that everybody can come to know Jesus Christ. And we don't care how expensive it is. And we don't care how much money we got to throw this way and that. Because that is what captures the heart of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you, some people give us pushback about lights and projectors. I, I just, my wife ended up inviting this woman to church two or three months ago. She'd never, never really been to church before too much. And so she came and... Afterwards, Kim grabbed her and says, what, what did you think? Because <laughs> Kim didn't know if she liked it or not. Kim said, and this lady, she says, I loved it. It was like going to a concert with a Bible study. That rocks. A concert with a Bible. Man. Because you know what? We want to change the reputation of the local church. Because it's not about one church. It's not about a denomination. It's about Jesus Christ and people who are far away from him. And all of us have been far away from him, hadn't we? I need forgiveness. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. Hear me. They need Jesus. So, serve, get involved. Get involved in the community group. Group link happens after this, as soon as I shut up. It happens. If you're not in a group, you're missing it. I'm just going to say that. It's accountability. It's where belonging happens, and it's where you get carried on. And if you're giving, keep on giving. Because everything we do is focused on that. Keeping all of the rungs in the ladder. That's our focus because that is Jesus' focus. It's to seek and to save all who are lost. And that is me. All right, text time. I got a little bit of time. Actually, I really don't. Um, All right, I've got, uh, let's see if I can go through some of these. Do you need to change to be a Christian? All right, do you need to change to become a Christian? Let me ask you this way. In order to become a Christian, you have to realize that you are a sinner And you have to realize that Jesus is God. He was buried. He was 
dead. He was resurrected. And it says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe on him, then you will be? So do you need to be changed? Absolutely not. Now hear me. Some of you are going, oh, when you become a Christian, is he going to change you? You betcha. Get ready. He's going to work on your mouth. He's going to work on what you're looking at. But, okay, let me ask you this question. When you get banged up in a car accident, do you have to go wash off and get yourself cleaned up before you go to the ER? Answer? Right? That's what the church is. All right, great question. Very, very good. All right. If God originated the requirement of circumcision, how were the Jews supposed to know that they were to drop the requirement? Jesus said that he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Maybe they missed what, the, what fulfilling meant. And I agree. I think they did miss what fulfilling meant. Let me tell you, the Pharisees at that point, they were more concerned on keeping the law than they really were concerned on having a relationship with God. And Jesus, throughout the four Gospels, is always pressing that down into them. Hey, you're tithing you're the, the, the stuff you get from your garden, but you're missing loving God with all of your heart. And more importantly, you're missing loving people with all of your heart. So this, I think, was a revelation for everybody. And in Acts chapter 10, I don't have enough time to go there, but I, uh, God talks to Peter and he says, you know what? All this stuff used to be unclean, but I'm making it clean because it's not about Jew or Gentile anymore. It's about everybody. All that happened in Acts chapter 10. One more and I'm done. All right. Great, great questions. Very good, y'all. Um, why do church keep membership roles? Well, because it's in the Bible. It's in second opinions. Um, I'm just joking. <laughs> you know... Um, I'll tell you how we do it here at One Church. I mean, we have a membership class, and uh, we do that in a couple of reasons. But one of the biggest reasons why we have a membership class is because we believe if you want to be a if you want to be a Christian, you don't have to go to church. You can do that and not go to church. But if you want to be a growing Christian, then you got to be a part of a church. That's what God's Word teaches. And you got to be a member in First Corinthians chapter twelve and Romans uh, chapter twelve. It talks about being members of a larger body. Now, how we've done that, you know, there's, there's eyes, there's foot. Last week, Josh said he's the hindquarters. I'm just going to take his word on that one. But all of us, we are, we are part of the body, right? We are part of the body. And that means we got to get involved. So how we do that, we do a membership class here. But it's just a lot of times just to, to see where people are at, what their giftings are at. And then how they can serve the local church. So that's how we do it. While other churches do membership roles, I don't know. i got to be honest with you. We, we take a lot of people off their membership roles when they stop coming. You don't ever hear that from any other churches. I've been to churches in Dallas. I went to this one church where Billy Graham was a member at this church. And Billy Graham came once to this church. So um, we're, we don't do it like that. Um, but we ask everybody to fill out one of those cards so that we can send you email updates and stuff. But you're not, you don't become a member unless you go to a class and we talk with you, we answer questions. And to be honest with you, a lot of stuff, what we're talking about cow tipping, we talk about in that class. Our next one is on the 21st of February. So anyway, very good. I have went over, but I'll tell you this, the next three or four weeks, we're going to keep on doing the texting thing. So if you have questions, um, please, e- uh, p- please uh, email or text us because we want to be interactive and we want to a- ask, excuse me, we want to be able to answer what you're talking about. So, all right, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much, God, that you, you are interested in those people who don't have a relationship with you. 
Lord. And uh, Lord, as, as we talk about in this series, there's nothing wrong with traditions. There's nothing wrong with traditions, God. All of us have traditions. All of us have ways of doing things and why we do things the way we do them and things of that nature, God. Nothing wrong with traditions. But Lord, when our traditions, when our preferences, when our styles come between us and reaching people and connecting a lost people to you, God, then the traditions that aren't based in the Bible have to go. And Lord, the way we're doing church now, if we're not careful 20 years from now, it's going to become a tradition. Because that's just what we do. And Lord, we got to be more focused on you and the lost than on the how of what we do ministry. Lord, always let us be focused on the why, to give you glory and to connect people to you. And Lord, on the how, the how is going to come and go. Lord, I thank you so much, Lord, that you love us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.